sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode and today the shorts of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, there will be Thieves, Ray Matches, Treasure Chests, Gay Uncles, Buggle Goes on an Adventure, and more. We're talking about the 12 Resistance Shorts this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. I'm doing good, too. This is this is fun. This is actually the second time, the third time we've covered shorts together, because you and I did the, the Rebel Shorts, and then on our other podcast, we did the Gravity Fall Shorts, and now this is our third round of shorts. I think this is the fluffiest shorts we've done yet. These are also the shortest. Like They're all yeah. like a minute, a minute yeah. and a half. They're like a minute and a half, but the last 20 seconds are like promo sort of just like, you know, music playing in a promo. So there's like shave another 15, 20 seconds off them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's they're really interesting also because somehow in these 12 shorts, they did so much of what I wanted out of the show. (laughs) And it just made me want more. Um, but I do have a lot of thoughts on um, the shorts as a whole, how they were presented and stuff like that. So, um, you having a good week? Yeah, so yeah. far so good. You were telling me before about how you were given like your little robins in your yard bird baths. Yeah, yeah, I got I got more animals following me around to service them. Are you a Disney but, princess and you just haven't told me? I hope so. That'd be awesome. Money that I heard. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you're the uh, new. They they do pretty well, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, uh, yeah, they would. I, I mean, I don't have birds. I mean, if I, if I did some work, I definitely could have. I mean, almost anybody, if you do a little work, you could have. You can be like a Disney princess. You have to do it in your own yard. It won't be universal everywhere unless you're one of those people. But I mean, like if you do some work in your backyard and you got birds, all you gotta do is get yourself some bird seed, you know. And I'm trying to uh, imagine what you mean by you those people like, you know, like the, universal the, princesses. The, <laughs> no, the people who are sort of like the human capybaras that animals just love, you know. Like animals like pets and stuff and, and animals like me. But, you know, there's some people, you know, that like, you know, bears just gonna you know, you see them like you know, they usually end up working at animal preserves and stuff like that. Oh, someone like Steve Irwin can just walk and up the... and just be like, it's, a, it's like a rattlesnake. And the rattlesnake's like, hey, dude. Yeah, yeah. They, they you know, they, they just have a, a that natural affinity of, for animals. Uh, th- those, that's what I meant by those, those people. But like, you know, if you want to sit, if you, if you just sit, if you have birds around and you have bird seed, you can sit still long enough. And once they figure out you're not going to eat them when uh, they get in your, to get in your hand to get feed, you can 
you know, depending on the kind of bird, but like a lot of just your normal birdie birds will eat right, eat out of your hands. You can pick up something and put it in their mouth and they'll hop on your shoulder. And once they get used to you, you know, it can get, it can get crazy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, uh, do the same thing with squirrels and chipmunks too. They'll, 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 you know, my grandfather used to have a chipmunk hang out in his pot, in his front you know, pocket of his, of his denim shirt, you know, cause he would put, um, sunflower seeds in there and that, and chipmunks would just go in there and hang out and eat sunflower seeds. You just see like the little paw come out and throw out the husk of the sunflower seed. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I really like crow friends because crows are just so, so cool and they're very smart birds. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, well, we're we're moving. I'm moving my, from work again to a, to another place. And the place where I'm working, the giant. Uh, there used to be a giant raven there, and it's come back, and it's this humongous raven. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm gonna. They're pissed at it now because it's terrorizing the dumpster, at the one restaurant. But I'll uh I'll distract it away from the dumpster. It's like, look at all the free food in here. Yes. Yeah, no. It's, raven, it's... yes. Did the raven just go, yeah? When that thing screeches, it sounds like a semi hitting the brakes. It's so loud and so aggressive. It chases everything off and it stands up on the, the top corner of the building next to us and just looks like the specter of doom. It's awesome. <laughs> Oh, that, that's really cool. Well, you ready to get into these shouts? I am. I am too. So, because they're shorts, the way we have this, um, there's not a lot of background information on these. Um, we have them separated into airing order. Um, but you, these shorts are not on Disney Plus, which is just stupid. Um, but I, we found these very easily on YouTube because that's where they aired. So, yeah. Uh, but we have them in airing order for you guys' stuff. So, you ready? I am ready. All right. The Resistance shorts aired after the mid-season finale of season one, which was Station Theta Black, and before the season's return with Bebo. All of the shorts were released on YouTube, and boy, do I have some thoughts about that. The shorts were released in four waves on December 10th, December 17th, December 23rd, and December 31st of 2019. The weird thing about this is, is I could not find any exact writers or directors for any of these. Um, cause usually that's listed. So I don't know the cast and the crew. I'm assuming it's the normal cast and the crew. Um, so I would assume that it's probably like Bosco well, Ng and, and Saul Ruiz and Jennifer Corbett and stuff. So, you know, you know, I, I sort of had, I sort of had another idea on that. I thought maybe it might've been, um, well, like it, it reminded me a little bit of, um, the Gravity Falls ones where it was like, Ooh, these might've been a lot of like, stuff that got rejected for time or didn't make it into a story or in, in an earlier draft of a story or something, you know, a little gag or something that they thought was good and maybe even had had partly completed or something. Or maybe it was something where, like, the B crew, you know, the up-and-comers, the younger people there, they said, hey, do it, you know, 
I break mean, I've off it, break off into groups of groups of five, and each of you do a what you know, do a one minute, and we'll play them in the. I wouldn't be in, surprised by that because Resistance actually had a lot of first-time writers like Jennifer Corbett, who is now the head writer for Bad Batch. Um, I mean, this and, would be a perfect project for people for people like that, and you know, I mean, if you're doing basically, you know, one thing that Dave Filoni's learned is you could end up doing these cartoons for a long time he's been doing them for a long yeah. time now yeah so, i mean like, so and like some of it, you even have people like joel aaron who is the lighting uh i think oh i think he's lighting i'm sorry if that's incorrect but he's been there for like all four shows like this is his career he works yeah here. yeah yeah and they're gonna have to and and like you know now they're like hey dave filoni come work on the mandalorian a little bit and stuff like that or you know maybe someday they'll give him a movie so you have to start you you have to start bringing people getting 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 the younger people up up to speed to do the next thing and this might have been like you know some of the more talented talented younger people and they said hey put the you know you know maybe they were just from animantics maybe they just handed them scripts or something but i i, I sort of got that feel from it it was just sort of like and in that case 12. it almost makes me a little upset that we don't have names and stuff because if this was some of the first time writers i would like to see their names on it it might be a pay thing <laughs> i don't know i don't know yeah why why they didn't do it or it, it, it might be it yeah it might be somewhere on a website somewhere, you know, you might have I, to like, couldn't I couldn't find, find it, it. Even starwars.com. Like it was just, it just had all the shorts together in one video. Yeah. No, no extra information on any of them. No background information. Like, yeah, no, we'd, we, the, we might have the to embarrass. Uh, uh, Cause I, hold on. You keep talking. I'm going to check something right fast. I'm thinking that the, um, the answer might lie on somebody, you know, would have to, it would have to be more than a, like, it would have to be more than a single Google search. You'd have to like find someone's blog where they were talking about, some, you know, like one of the people that worked in there on their blog, like, oh, I was on one of the shorts and then sort of put it together. But the wiki is usually really good about that. And here you go. Here's an example. Oh, this plays so well into my gripe of these. This is great. You know, I just pulled up one of the Rebel shorts. I pulled up Art Attacked. Uh, production number 100B. It has the air date, the runtime, director Justin Whitridge, writer uh, Greg Wiseman. I know who the director, the runtime, when it premiered, and the writer was. And this is the Rebel short. I have thoughts about this. Huh. I don't know what about why. IMDb? I guess so, because... Yeah, I mean, I'm looking through the Rebel shorts now, and I can see who the writers and the directors of all of them are. Uh, property of Ezra Bridger, uh, director Dave Filoni, writer Simon Kinberg. Is this on StarWars.com? This is a uh, uh, Wikipedia right now. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, my man. But anyway, you know who she asked? Maybe, maybe he'll know. Hey, Yoda, do you know? <laughs> no. Okay. You know, you know, it doesn't mess with that end of the the business deal. <laughs> you just mess you know, with. Yoda like, lets his people work on that. You, you just make sure you have a nice trailer with your um your M&Ms. No, no green M&Ms though, because then you feel like you're eating your children. Keep the frogs rolling in. Keep them rolling in. Mm -hmm. Yoda's happy. <laughs> 
<laughs> What's your trailer like? Um, moist. You have that humidifier moist. going? More like, um, cat carrier, but nice. Okay. Yoda does not need much. Hmm. So, though I heard that, that Groku had a really nice trailer that had, like, a little hot tub in it and, like, uh, you know, had chairs uh, and a chicken a chicken nuggy dispenser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sell out. <laughs> Are you more of a method actor? What's up? Yoda's what? natural. Yes. Yoda uh, sometimes uses method, yes. Actually, the Grogu actually ties in really nicely with my question for you, Yoda. Oh, oh, question, yes. Yeah, because I, just, I yes. just realized that he would be um, one of the people in this question. So what were some of your meditation strategies that you used to teach children, your Padawans? And I guess Grogu would be one of them. So how, how did you, let's use that as an example. How did you teach Grogu meditation? Like, was he difficult to teach? Mm, spin around. Mm. Take them and spin them around, Yoda would. That helps. Put in altered state. Yes. Stare at sun. Mm. Yoda thought you said mediation strategies. So thought how he stopped kids from fighting. Mm. Many, many Jedi meditation methods Yoda used. Only, only simple ones for children, though. Not, not uh, advanced techniques that Yoda knows. Mm. Advanced mm -hmm. techniques of being like that little, like extra little bit of rum. Private techniques, yes. A little whiskey in there as well. Yes, the kids, yes, kids get G-rated. So if you needed extra meditation in the kids, is that when you pulled out the rum and the whiskey? Sometimes the the old Jedi trick, mm, pull out watch you do, and you wave watch in front of younglings' eyes. Mm, sleepy, you tell them. Sleepy. Very and sleepy. And as they watch it, you just come up behind him and smack him across the head. <laughs> then, then teach them the Jedi way of like, hold up your arm. Oh, arm is very heavy, very heavy. Then they arm fall down. Then Yoda will tell them, you are space chicken. And then they go, bark, 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 bark. Mm. <laughs> oh, many Jedi tricks. Mm. Did you send them into Mace Windu's office as space chickens? Sometimes, yes. Awesome. I'm sure he loved that. Mm. <laughs> would would send them would tell them they were blankets they were and send them to wet to to wet with blanket windows office. Yes, throw them on him. They would throw themselves oh. onto him. Mm, blanket, I am. Ha ha. Windu would say, oh, Yoda, ha, 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 did it again. Mm. <laughs> it was Yoda all along. Dun, 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 dun. Always. Mm. <laughs> Always Yoda all the time. 
All Yoda. 24 hours. Mm, seven days of space week. How do you live with yourself? Through space and time. Mm, moistly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hi, Yoda. But we'll talk to you next week, all right? All right. Move along, Yoda. Bye. There he goes. Waddle off there, buddy. I was wondering, should I do a quick recap for each of these? Or... I mean, yeah, you can. <laughs> I mean, they're each a minute long. How long could it take? <laughs> well, how about this? I'll I'll do them all together. How about that? And that way we don't have to stop for each of them. And that way oh, you'll no, no no I think no no we'll do let's do them let's do them one at a time because there's so many of them that like you know just by just remember you know by the time we get to number twelve. Yeah, no, I mean, how, you know, you don't have to, you, you just basically can, you can sum them up in a sentence or two, can Okay, so that's what I was asking, do you want me to do, like, my dramatic sum up? No, no, they are literally one-minute <laughs> clips, there's a selection of gags, so, you know, I mean, some of them, I mean, some of them, it's almost all covered... <laughs> <laughs> almost in the title <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so yeah i don't think it's going to take up too much of our time um so i literally just shoved a peanut m m in my mouth hold on sorry i had snacks i'm hungry i usually don't have snacks but i have snacks tonight because i was hungry mm. all right so first up oh there we go Sound a real podcast till I burp. First up, we have short number one, which is The Search for Kaz. The Search for Kaz, um, Yeager was like, hey, BB-8, I need your help. I need Kaz. Can you go find him? And BB-8 goes rolling around all over the Colossus. And by the time he gets back and he finds Kaz, Kaz is like, hey, BB-8, uh, I've been looking everywhere for you. Do you know where Yeager is? Can you go find Yeager? And BB-8 falls over just like, oh, get a phone. The end. Yeah. So I mean, I think basically of? this is a was a um, an excuse for you know just to have fun with BB-8 vision. Yeah. And I I thought like if I would have done this, the only thing I would have changed in all of these is when because BB-8 does run into Buggles and meet him in this one. I would have had that one cross in the Buggles Day Out story. So you would have had Buggles run into BB-8 at one time, and it would have been the two stories just bumping into each other and going off in their different directions. That's that's very interesting, because that was kind of my thought for the Buggles Day Out story, was I actually wish it was him in, like, the market, um, and not just like, I'm going to jump on this beam to pounce on a seagull, and then I'm going to jump back and then fly. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah, I love the first... POV droid shot. Like, we get those every once in a while. Like, we get them with, like, CB-23 and stuff like that. But I love when we get them because it's such a unique perspective. Like, like that one shot where he's looking up at the Gorg salesman, and the Gorg salesman just looks ginormous because BB, it's a tiny little droid on the floor. And I think that's a really cool, unique vision. Um, so, like, that's really, like, the best part of this is just being able to see the world at BB-8's level. And I, I wish the entire thing was in that first-person perspective. I don't – I wish we didn't have those breakaways where we yeah. saw them because that would have been really, 
really cool if the entire thing was in that perspective because it's such a fun thing but that's also probably a lot of energy to waste on a one minute short <laughs> but it'd be such a flex though you know well yeah well that's the thing is that's what you do a one minute short for you know if you're gonna flex on that do it for you know you only have to flex for a minute so yeah it would have been i i think it would have been thematically better if it was all from b you know because it's if you're gonna do a one minute little little detached you know on its own puff piece on bba do it all from his point of view why not yeah yeah the only other note i had for search for kaz was when bba rolls into anti's cantina aunt z i i don't know what like the tone is weird because she's like dancing because i she's by a jukebox but at first i thought she was hitting on bba because she's just like hey there cutie and she's like dancing but then I realized, I was like, oh, she's she's by the jukebox. She's dancing to the music. But it just came off weird because I was like, is she hitting on BB-8? But, like, I realized because he is a little cutie, and that's normal. But I also, like, see that Nancy has a rapport I... with BB-8 because she's just like, oh, hey, cutie, what's up? Like, when Kaz comes in, she's just like, pay or get out. But, like, with BB-8, he's, she's just like, come here, baby. You're so cute. I just love you. <laughs> Judging by some future notes on this, I think you should do an Aunt Z evolution and have Aunt Z be secretly, like, a, a like total sex-crazed horn dog. <gasps> oh, my God. We never did our season one recap. Well, we're not done with season one. We're finishing it off right now. Oh, my God. I just assumed that was our next, uh, that was our next step with uh, Resistance, yeah. You know, it makes sense, though. I'm actually glad that I forgot, because this should be the season one recap. But now that I did my notes, this actually falls between, falls in the episodes between Station Theta Black and Bebo. Um, and you can actually really tell, because a lot of the... Um, oh, really, yeah. Yeah, like, this is not an early season thing. This is, a lot of the relationships are established. Um, you know, Kaz is working on mechanical things, um, you know, like... So this this actually does. That's that's. I'm glad I I forgot because <laughs> I would have just went right into season two. But I actually Aunt Z evolution was what I was going to do. You're right. I was gonna do an Aunt Z evolution. So my I, suggestion is she's a horn dog because there seems to be a lot of uh, breadcrumbs in that direction coming in this show. I'm going to write or at mine. least one more breadcrumb. Um, resistance, as I will forget. It's been that kind of week. All right. So, anything else for search for Kaz that you had? Nope. All right. So next was Dart and Cover. In Dart and Cover, Niku, Kaz, and Tora are playing darts. And then Bucket comes up, and he's just so like, I want to play. And Kaz is like, oh, like a big shooter over here. And turns out, um, uh, uh, Niku, not Niku, Bucket is really good at darts. But he gets the last laugh because he pings it off like four things and hits Kaz in the ass. And everyone thinks it's hilarious. That's the end. What did you think of this one? It was, it was funny. It's sort of a, uh, um, a, uh. I believe it was it was either the first or the second episode. It's a, a just sort of a retake on on that gag mm-hmm. when uh, Kat, Kaz hit the alien and started the fight. Um, now the actually the 
interesting about that is is that Bozo Gruel, the alien who's the Gorg salesman, he's in he's watching. He's just hanging play. out there watching like Yeah, he, and yeah. That's, a, that's such an interesting like visual cue that he doesn't have that same grudge with Kaz anymore. No, um, he, he doesn't he probably doesn't hold grudges. He just likes to fight and then had had a fight Kaz was new. He probably has to get in a little scuffle with every new person first to see if they'll uh how it turns out and then he got a scuffle with Kaz and now Kaz is accepted sort of thing. Cause he's just sort of standing there like, Hey, this is fun to watch. You know, he's not. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. My only, my, my only other note is this is uh, a stra- strange thing about this one. No music, no soundtrack to it. Lightly oh. in the background, you can hear like the bass thump of the jukebox, like lightly in the background. So there's like what is it called diegetic diegetic music to it, but there's no. It's I think this is the only one that doesn't have any kind of uh, soundtrack to it. It's totally just sort of naturalistic. That's so interesting. I didn't even notice. Um, that's I'll have to go back and see. You know um, me. I'm that's that that's like one of my things. though, is I'm always paying attention to and I extra pay attention to the resistance soundtrack. Because usually, like, with um, with all the other ones, it's like I listen to the soundtrack, but I, le- I just let it flow with the show. Mm-hmm. But I don't pay a super amount of attention to it because I know we're going to be doing the show someday and I'll be and I'll have the whole soundtrack in front of me and I'll be able to actually, like, listen to it and listen to it when I'm putting it in the shows and stuff. Ain't happening with Resistance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm always listening to see what the soundtrack's doing. Yeah, yeah. It, it was interesting. It was just naturalistic sound. That's all I got for that one. Um, I only, I well, I have a bunch of, of course, baby notes because it was a short thing. Uh, I thought it was funny that Niku uses Torah as a body shield when Bucket comes up to to, to do it. And I'm just like, Niku is just this great kind of like dark horse character. Like he just seems so bright and happy, but every once in a while he does these like just kind of like dark things, like you know almost kill a stormtrooper multiple times or talk about like running into bounty hunters and here he's just like oh well if somebody has to die it's gonna be torah <laughs> not i me. don't understand why people are like oh no this droid's gonna be a terrible um dart player because i would never want to play a, a robot at darts yeah i know, you know right like or you know i mean i'm sure you know like a robot like on earth now because robot unless it was a dart programmed robot but like in Star Wars universe, yeah, you know, they're robots, man. They've got like, they've got, you know, they can do, they can do, their eyes can just do all the calculations and, yeah. and and maybe they might screw up the first shot, but then that that would give them all the information they'd need to to you know, re recalculate and hit bull. Like you'd think a droid would just be able to sit and just chuck bullseyes all the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love it. Like, and, and and don't tell me Bucket's not programmed for that because Bucket sits in the back of a ship and shoots things sometimes, you know. So yeah, um, and I think that's what I liked about this as well because like, um, especially Bucket because Bucket was in this one and he had another short. It, it was just fun to get Bucket, you know. He's so sparingly used in the show because there's so much focus on BB-8 and CB-23 that it was actually fun to have Bucket in these. And he's so cute. He's so much fun. And he's just like, yeah, I'm going to play darts. I'm like, you're so cute. And like how he's holding out his helmet to hold the darts. 
and it's just I really love how they use him in these, and it's just great. Um, I so two things about that that moment were I like Aunt Z lifted the pan, knowing when to lift it to help Bucket out. That was a funny gag. But when I paused it, Aunt Z, when I paused it in that scene, is leaning forward, talking to a very cute girl across the bar. And, like, she's kind of, like, almost touching, like, where her hair would be. Like, it's a very flirty kind of pose Aunt Z is right. doing while she's talking just, to she's this She's doing lady. the flipping, flipping her hair sort of move or playing yeah, with your I hair sort of move. Yeah, I said this to Chris. I said this to Chris. I was like, Chris, look at this. <laughs> It's on our Twitter. I put it on our Twitter at Jacobs and Jedi. Um, go check that out a few weeks ago. Go to I the think media it's section. more likely if I if I was writing the scene, what was happening there, I would say the girl was asking was talking about a romance and Nancy was reminiscing about. I remember when I was your age, mm-hmm. there was this young pirate and she starts twiddling her. <laughs> this this but. wise pirate named Maz Kanata. <laughs> and she took me on and we had adventures together to the munchlands of bush gardens <laughs> we had many <laughs> experiments and adventures in space college <laughs> yeah 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 um but that's uh all i have for darn cover you on to the next on to the next so the next one is Niku's Rewards. And Yeager is all like, Niku, you work so hard. Let me treat you to lunch. And Niku is like, I want a gorg. So they go to Bozo Gruel, and he's there with all his gorgs. And all the gorgs are like, please don't eat us. We're tiny and adorable. And, and Niku's like, I'm going to devour all of you one day. And your future spawn, too. And he grabs a gorg, but the gorg jumps out of his hands and causes chaos in the marketplace and comes back. And Niku's like, I changed my mind. I want that bantha milk. And and Yeager's like, I'm not paying for any of this. Goodbye. That was a... I only have a note for this. I wrote, like the pop. Or did I write pop or prop? I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about with this the, one. The, the, the sign, the Gorg sign? No, I don't think so. I have no idea what I'm talking about with this one. <laughs> Is that your only <laughs> note? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea what I had to say about this one. There wasn't much to say about it, you know? So, I, I, so much of it happens off screen. You just see them watching the chaos, but they don't actually get to, we don't actually get to watch the chaos. And I was like, mm, come on, guys. Uh, at least let me watch a gore causing mayhem. Um, I will say the one thing I really liked about this, and... It's one of those things that resist these shorts made me. I, there are certain things I want more out of the show that we sadly don't have because it's only two seasons. Um, I like that it shows a little bit of Yeager's relationship with Niku um, because we know Yeager's relationship with Tam and Kaz because that's such a huge focus of season one. But we don't really get much of Yeager's relationship with Niku, except for really only in the Bebo episode, where the be, like where Niku stood up to Yeager and drew a line in the sand, and that's where we got to see a little bit of their relationship. So I it made me realize like I really do wish we knew a little bit more about this, like how do they interact? Because you know they 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 don't have drama, so of course they're not the interesting story, and I get that. Um, but it, it just made me realize I wish we got a little bit more of that because I really well, like the I, I like their dynamic together. There's a there's a paternal aspect of Yeager with Niku more 
more so than maybe with Tam. You know, Niku has more of a sort of simple personality where he, you know, where he's like, hey, I'm going to buy you lunch, you know. He I don't was, see like, that as paternal. I feel like that's like he's more paternal with Tam, but he's more boss with Niku. Yeah. But you were saying, sorry, I interrupted you. No, I just I, I got I got just a sort of. A, a, a sort of. Uh, almost well, like Tam is more on an emotional level, but Niku is more on sort of like he's more naive and like younger. So, so like, it's almost like Eager treats him more like a younger child, you know? I guess I disagree because oh, I don't get you see, a hot dog. I, I, I guess I don't see Niku as naive because we know he's not a naive character. I don't um, think naive is the right word, but you know what I mean? Like more, more. Um, I just see him as a very steady workforce that Yeager doesn't have to worry about, which is why well, I see him having a very hands off, but still boss relationship with them. Cause he knows that he can always rely on Niku to work hard and be there. But with Tam, he has a very emotional relationship because he's her father figure. So he has a little bit of more of that tough love on her and he made the wrong choices with her as this parental figure and of course we know his relationship with Kaz but I feel like you know Niku is just steady he comes to work he does his job he's steady he has a great disposition he's happy and cheery and he does he gets a shit done so Yigur doesn't have to worry about him but I I certainly don't see that he's naive because we know that from season two there's a a reason why there's an entire episode of season two that Yigur and Doza rely on Niku to deal with the pirates because they can't trust Kaz's emotions. And they know Niku knows it's, how to trick them. It's hard to, to pay. It, naive isn't the right word. It's and and like, I want to say simple, but simple has bad connotations too. But he's, he's, he's more childlike. Maybe as well. Sincere? Sincere, childlike. But I don't think I, th- I feel like childlike has a negative connotation too. Sure, sure. Um, but... here, uh, synonyms for naive, uh, sincere, um, callow, candid, confiding, credulous, forthright, frank, fresh, green, guileless, gullible, <laughs> uh, innocuous, instinctive, like a babe in the woods. <laughs> He doesn't have a lot of yeah. That's more like it. He doesn't have a lot of guile to him. You know, he's he's not he's not looking out as for for the worst of people. He's you know or expecting it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of positive thing words that are tied in with naive, but um, yeah, yeah. But it's not. It's you know, it's getting more like towards the Seuss-like character. Except he's 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 maybe not even as as sort of like emotionally complex as Seuss, but mm-hmm. the same sort of thing. Yeah. Uh. So, but that's all I had for Niku's rewards. Uh, can we get in the, my my? Yeah. Now three get favorites. into the yeah. <laughs> my three favorites, and it's clear because they have the most notes. <laughs> This is low key. This is low. If you put all these together, if you put the this whole show together, this is low key. Probably, I think the best Orca and Flicks episode yeah. <laughs> of, of Resistance. Yeah. This is this is or yeah, this is Orca and Flicks 
not like we wanted to see them not in the context of a story, but just doing their thing in 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 a bunch of different ways. So it's 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 a riot. Yeah, these three are my favorite. So the first one is when thieves drop by, and these dramatic ass gays are are in their shop doing their thing and this guy comes in he's like give me all your money and these drama gays are just like oh good sir you caught us being so dramatic and they're like please take all of our shit and they throw all these boxes at the guy just like take these two they are worth so much money and then they drop the floor out from under them and they have this stick where like flicks catches the boxes so they don't lose any merchandise but the guy leaves and then his brother comes and then they go back into drama I like how you say the guy leaves <laughs> no, he drops to his death, probably. Oh, he leaves. Yeah, he leaves, yeah. all right. <laughs> and then his brother comes in. He's like, where's my brother? And they're like, oh, we're going to destroy you two with our drama. And I love it. These are my favorites. What did you think of when thieves drop by? Oh, it's great. It's it's uh, so another antique episode. And it, it's it's funny because it's it's stress as an old guy. It stresses me out because Flix has those spindly legs and arms. And when... He catches all that merchandise and it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a funny gag in a cartoon, but I'm like, oh man, can his legs take that? <laughs> I'm just um, like, I have a note about that because at like when they're piling the stuff on, Orca puts the last stuff in all, or all Flix does is hold out a single hand to lift his partner onto his own back. And Orca is holding two boxes and he puts it on top of the guy and he holds Orca and two boxes, lifts them with one hand and on his back. And I'm just like, brah, do you lift? You can lift your partner and merchandise with a single hand. Brah, Flix, you are secretly strong. And I don't know how, like, is this what your sex life is about? Do you have secret wall arms? Do you, can you lift your partner like that constantly? Are we learning about your sex life right now? That you learn to lift Orca one-handed? These are things. Like, brah, oh my God. <laughs> Like, I noticed that. And he's so dainty about it, too. He's just like, come on, boyfriend, husband. <laughs> like, it was such a great fluid motion. And I was just like, oh, 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 girl. Anyway, hi. <laughs> what were you saying about his spindly legs, though? Oh, it just stressed me out. I was like, expect, like, I was like, I don't know if legs could take that much weight, but they obviously can. They're obviously I... like steel. Can I can I tell you my secret dirty stress from a totally completely different franchise? <laughs> sure. So, in Pokemon, right? In Pokemon XY, I got Pokemon X because I wanted the very very pretty legendary uh, Pokemon Xerneas, who is this big ass deer. And I realized I could not play with Xerneas in my game because his motion when he attacks is he swings his antlers at stuff, and it made me physically scared that one would break off every time he did it, even though it's a video game, and I knew it wouldn't happen, but it stressed me out. <laughs> yeah. I could. I had to stop using the legendary because it was very scary for me, and I was like, he's going to break his head open. <laughs> and I'm like, I know this is how deers work, but it still does not work with me and stresses me. So, um, you know, these, I, I put it on this one in particular because this one really captures the feeling of this note, but really it's all three of them together. Um, but this short is why I want an entire show of just them because they are hilarious and they have their shtick down 
and they know how to play off each other. And you can also just tell that Bobby Moynihan and Jem Rash fucking love these characters. They love playing these characters, and you can tell. Because these are some drama assholes in here. And they they love it. And this this short in particular makes me want to want Orca and Flix shows. And them doing commentaries. And like, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Like, like tromps through. I guess it would be like, uh, what, what are the brick and trigger, whatever the two characters in the comic is? Tag, tag and Bink. Tag and Bink, is that right? Oh, yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, um, like, I want a show with, like, Orca and Flicks, like, non-canon, making commentary, being sassy gays, and doing gay musical number. Like, this is the the short that does that for me. All three of these together, but particularly this one. Like, and I just, I want so much more of Orca and Flicks, because they're just such fabulous characters. And I don't mean fabulous, like, gay fabulous, because they're that too, but they're just so fleshed out so well-rounded they have such interesting stories they know how to chew the scene but also knows how to balance with the protagonist like they're just such good characters <laughs> so good ah <sighs> so we should move on to treasure chest right sure because this kind of goes into that so treasure chest right sonara is just like hey orkin and flicks i found this treasure chest and they're like girl we love treasure chest oh my god you don't have to tempt us with a good time so they take it back to their shop and they open it and turns out it has imperial bombs in it and the bombs start to like tick and go off so they go all drama like we're going to die oh my god a little timon and pumbaa a little bit um who's you know disney's other gay cop uncles um and so finally the bombs don't go off so they throw it down into the ocean and the is like hey i have a treasure chest and they're like girl oh my god and then in the background the first chest explodes in the ocean because fish come flying up at it out at everyone What'd you think of Treasure Chest? It was a good one. You, it, like all three of these, you see a little different. You get to see them in a, a high stress situation on their own, and they get like they're a little phys- Like you can see there's some physicality between them that you usually don't see. Usually they're just sort of wa- walking and talking with each other, and their rapport is all like chit chat. Mm-hmm. But it, when they're stressed out, like they're pushing each other around and stuff, you know, and in in a sort of like you know, three stooges manner, but there's a, there's a physicality to their, to their relationship that we haven't seen before, you know? Yeah, this is actually, so these shorts, this, this one in particular came out before we found out they were a couple and they were so queerly coded, but this actually made me wonder if they were actually together because of their physicality and how they were like slapping each other around and, calling each other like you idiot and stuff like that but like um and then of course we found out because justin ridge and the producers were just like yeah they're great together um but this actually made me question it because it was of how physical it was but then now in hindsight i love it because i was just like mm, they get slappy in bed don't they like just like give me the covers <laughs> I think it's also fun that you, when you can get like physical with somebody that you're really close to. I think it's also a sign of closeness because they couldn't just slap just anybody, but they know each other so well. Yeah, you know? no, it's it's. I mean, that, like that's the thing is it could be coded either way. I mean, they could be just two old friends, you know, mm-hmm. that that maybe were in the military together and they just have that relationship. And and plus, it's a cartoon and stuff, so that sort of slapstick 
plays out, you know, you, it has its own language in a cartoon and in like Three Stooges <laughs> shorts and stuff like that. That doesn't really happen as much in real life. You know, it's sort of just like a symbolic representation that's fun, you know. Mm-hmm. So but you've you've only seen them as just sort of, you know, I mean, you definitely get the uh, the impression that they're older, you know. Oh, yeah. They're not necessarily old, but they're older, you know, and not, like middle age. Yeah, they're middle age, middle age or older, but like you know, they're not like prime physical specimens of of themselves. You know, they're just sort of they're they're sort of in their their lumpy middle age, you know. So you know, they're they're. I'd love to see a picture of them earlier and see if they were both like slim and trim you know <laughs> i do have thoughts because we know that flicks used to be well he's a failed cantina singer and i have this whole head canon that like orca's like like the first time he sees him he's just like you're the most beautiful creature that can't sing but i'm so in love with you <laughs> like, <laughs> but but please don't ever sing at me again but i will support you <laughs> Like, I, that's how I imagine he's just like, oh, it's that horrible sound. And he turns around and sees Flicks on stage. And he's just like, oh. or he was the only one or like, like everybody else like left. And then you see him on a chair, just like clapping, just going, what's wrong with you people? That was fantastic. That's actually a plot line in DuckTales. <laughs> that's how Donald and Daisy meet. Cause she's the only one who thinks he's a great singer. And she's just like, yay, sing more. <laughs> because when she hears him sings, it's just like this like beautiful like they actually do have like a montage of Donald like with a, a normal handsome with voice. With his normal voice and then like a smooth And it's like yeah like Daisy's internal voice. Yeah, yeah. And it's and but nobody else can hear it but her. And it's a hilarious, hilarious bit. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for us to get to DuckTales and our other podcasts. It's gonna be so much fun. Um for for me with Treasure Chess. For one, I really like the, and I'm, I'm going to come back to this a few times for the rest of these shorts, because I have this point for a few times, but I like how the sh- these shorts give us dynamics we don't normally see. Like, I like seeing Orca and Flix interact with Sonara, because we never see that dynamic. And it's clear that in her short time that she's like, okay, these are the seller people, these are the people who's going to buy stuff from me and stuff like that. But they're, you know, but she's like excited to see them. She's just like, Orca, Flix, I got this thing for you. And so for one, well, it's just she knows great to buy see. stuff from him. <laughs> yeah, but it's also great as just to see Sonara happy. You know, I just, I always want Sonara to be happy. So I like seeing that trio. Um, Orca shooting a box open as a mood because I know when I can't sometimes open pickle jars, I just want to throw them. So I feel that. Um, and then this, this actually tells me a lot about their personalities. Um, surprisingly in a minute, I learned so much about them because Flex is clearly, clearly the more dramatic of the two. And he's very into self-preservation because the moment he sees the bombs, he was just like, let's run. Um, but Orca is clearly the logical one. Yeah, he loses his temper and shoots up in a box, but he's the one that grabs Flix and he's like, no, we have to, this is our shop, this is our livelihood, we can't just run away from this. And that was a nice balance between the two. You have, like, the dramatic, flary personality, and then you have the logical kind of anchor one. And it just, that moment, like, really showed me, like, this is why these two are together. Because Flix is very much the showman and, like, brings in the customers and he has the flourish. While while Orca is the logical one that, like, takes care of the business and stuff like that. And I liked that. I got it all from, like, a minute. I'm like, this is so good! 
Yeah, the, the, it, it's the only one that has a plot hole in it, though. What's the plot hole? And it, they screwed themselves, too, because they already showed it. Yeah, all they had to do is chuck it over to the front and, and hit the button, hit the, the, the thief button, drop it down through that hole. Well, we don't know where that hole went, because that might have dropped it, for all we know, onto, like, the turtle folk. Yeah, that's true. Or, or maybe it's, like, a brig, and, like, so maybe that just, like, puts it in the brig that they have with maybe. Doza. Yeah, maybe. And then it would have just blown a hole into the ship, so. Because that's the only thing. We didn't see where the three yeah. went to. Um... Uh, uh, oh, and I just, I thought this was very sweet. Um, when the bombs were about to go off, Flix jumped on top of Orca to protect him. <laughs> and, like, they didn't just jump to the side. Like, he jumped on top of him and covered him. And I was just like, my husband and or boyfriends. Oh, my God. <laughs> he protected him. And it's so sweet. Oh, my God. Mm. Anyway, Jalen. I've been calling him Glenn, but they keep saying GLN, so. Yeah. Well, I guess we know dr- droids can just get drunk off alcohol like humans. Apparently. So, yeah. So, the, the plot of this one is, is Orphan Flicks are at, at Ancy's, and as they talk with our lovely Z, their droid GLN has some of Orca's drink, and then he gets drunk in the background, and the characters in the foreground don't notice the like chaos Glenn is causing in the background and yeah that's pretty much it that's it so. yeah a droid gets drunk <laughs> so, did you have any thoughts about this one not really I mean there's just no, I mean now we know a, a, a droid can get drunk <laughs> you would think they would get drunk off some like weird like bad oil or something like that you know or some something like that, or like um, or um, like some electrical charge, you know, hit them with some sort of taser thing, and that sort of goofs them out or something. But kind kind of like in one division where Vision swallows the gum and it gums up his uh, innards, so he's not functioning correctly. I don't know nothing about none of that. Didn't you watch one division? I have not watched it yet. No. Ah, well, in episode two, that happens. I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> so it's kind of like WandaVision. Everyone else who has seen WandaVision because I thought you had. And anyway. And why would a droid drink in the first place? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I did have to. My, my small note about this was Glenn moonwalks in the background. So now moonwalking is canon in Star Wars. <laughs> I had to laugh because I was like, that's a thing. That's now canon. Um, but it's just also, again, it's fun to see these dynamics we don't normally see. I, I like seeing Orca, Flix, and Aunt Z just hanging out together and talking about politics and the state of the world and talking about people these days and talking about their businesses and stuff. Like, that's such a fun dynamic that we don't get to see in the show. And it's just so pure and it's wonderful and lovely and... I like that. I like seeing that. I think that's probably the best thing that the, these shorts do. And I'm going to come back to it in about, oh, two shorts. So, <laughs> so Bucket's Quest. Bucket's Quest. Bucket's Quest. So it's really simple. So pretty much Bucket loses his helmet. And he's all like, oh, no, where's my helmet? 
So everyone's like, we haven't seen it, Bucket. So he goes to the market, and all the other mean droids laugh at him, and then he goes to acquisitions, and he gets a new helmet with money, I guess. And he comes back, and it turns out that BB-8 had his helmet the entire time, and Tam is with BB-8, and she's just like, he just wanted to try it on, Bucket. Sorry we scared you. And that's it. Yeah, my only note is, yeah, the, 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 the propeller was pretty funny. It's like a little kid's beanie. Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of cool. There's a nice bit of anima- animation because Tam hits the propeller and Bucket actually lifts a little bit off the ground and comes back down. And it's it's just a quick little bit of anim- animation, but it's really nicely done. I, I took it as he was just sort of got up on his tippy toes. Like when you pet a dog a little bit on the head and they sort of lift up a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, that I could see that too, yeah. He was just but, just reacting to interaction. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're they're really. <laughs> but it's still fun. Like one of my my notes is it's just fun to see Bucket. You know, we get so little a Bucket. So to see him for one, those mean mean droids laughing at them. Fuck those guys, Bucket. You're fabulous. But like it's just fun to see him interacting with stuff because we just don't get that much of him. I just really like Bucket's design too. I think he's a fun design, like with and without his helmet. Because without the helmet, like, he, you can tell how, like, older and, like, kind of basic he is. But his helmet just gives him so much personality because he can just kind of, like, bobble it around, up and down. And I don't know how he doesn't lose it when they're flying. No idea how. Um, so it's, He could it's, probably magnetize parts of his head and stuff. Yeah, who knows yeah. how they do it. But it's just fun to have, like, a little bit of focus on Bucket because... Um, it makes me actually wish we had done these shorts between Station Theta Black and Bebo when they when these aired because I didn't realize these had aired in that time frame. Um, so that was a big me mistake because then having these shorts kind of give us a little bit more bucket context and a little bit more bucket time to when he does get shot in the season one finale like that would I hit guess, a little bit yeah. harder. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. And so my other other thing is, look at Kaz doing mechanic work. He's sitting at a table doing mechanic work. Good for you, Kaz. <laughs> Good for you. Um, unmotivated? I'm ready. So unmotivated is about hype phase on. Now we're getting into the aces portion of this programming. Um, it's about hype phase on coming in, and his little droid is not working, and he goes to Orca and Flicks, and he's like, can you guys help me with my droid? And they're like, yeah. And his droid's like a child at a children's doctor not wanting shots and so his droid runs away while Orca and Flicks chasing them down the whole time Hype is just like oh my baby oh my baby and that's the short yeah it was, I, my only note is it was sort of like a mixture between a trip to the pediatrician and a trip to the vet yeah yeah you know and, and again I again but it's just to- funny it shows you people's pe- people's characters um their people relationships relationships with their droids you know that it's his it's his baby so he, he like it's like oh that poor droid's getting traumatized <laughs> yeah it's that's why it was like less like at first it was like the pediatricians but then when they had to sort of just sort of well actually i don't know i've had some trips to the pediatrician like that where they had to wrestle me around too and get mm-hmm. get me a shot and stuff but this one they're actually this was more like the vet where they wrestle you around and give you a shot that makes you go to sleep <laughs> yeah so yeah i 
And now, now uh, just uh, my other note was it's more Orca and Flick. This is Orca and Flick heavy group of uh, shorts. And yeah, and I like seeing them with hype. I think it's because I never thought about this dynamic before because I feel like, you know, they've kind of set this class that the aces are these higher ups, you know, like they are the people above the people and they live in this high tower. And I never thought about them like having to go to work on flicks. And I like that because it kind of insinuates that like, you know, they might be the higher ups of the platform, but they're certainly not rich. Like they still have to go to acquisitions to get their droids fixed. And yeah, everybody's got to fix their drawer. You know, it's a, it's a trip to Home Depot or whatever, you know, but. Yeah, but, you know, the the insinuation in the show was a, like they would have like the best of the best and they wouldn't have like they would probably have someone fancy to fix their droids. But no, nah, they still have to go down to Orkin Flags. So it kind of infers on their class a little bit that they're, yeah, they're the upper class, but they're not like super upper class. Yeah, well, they're the upper class, but they're not like in a they're not like in a rich community where they would have like uh, they have some they have some better stuff for them. But like you can't set just up a whole infrastructure of a repair crew for a repair crew, maybe for their ships. But it seems like actually they're more responsible for that. So, yeah, everything's you're you're they're they're at the tippy top of of a thing that's like working class. You know, there's not a rich part of town. You know, the closest thing to a rich part of town is Doza's area where the you know, the the. You know, he's more of like it's it's more like a construction site and he's the main supervisor, you know, than anything else. It, it It's you know, you'll have a construction site and you'll have hierarchies there, but you you won't have like a true like upper class hanging out there because there's no reason for them to be there, you know? Yeah. Um, And I just love how hype is just as dramatic as the two of them but yeah. he's dramatic in a different way he might like be a he, little more <laughs> yeah and i like that like he's dramatic in a completely different way because there's a difference he's in between... a younger way he's younger yeah. and, and it's a more energetic way yeah um and, and and it's also i think it's also uh, oh what's the word i'm looking for um not not selfish but um ostentatious prideful, prideful um he's Ost- really into himself um ostentatious uh, uh, uh narcissistic he's a little he's very narcissistic e- egocentric e- egocentric there you go that's the one i'm looking for um he's very egocentric which makes him a different kind of like dramatic and we'll we'll actually we'll see this in this next one are you ready for the next one i am so the next one is need for speed and it's, uh, the aces are having a race, and that's the whole purpose of this. And it's mostly Hype and Tora, and they're, they're trash-talking each other, and Tora takes the lead, she's like, I'm gonna win, I'm gonna beat Hype, I'm gonna do this! And he's just like, oh, Tora, you think you can beat me? And then the last minute, Tora used all her fuel, and Hype is able to pull ahead, because he has more experience, and he wins the race. Um, but we see that, we see that egotistical side of hype in this, because it's like, I just want to thank the person who means the most to me, me. <laughs> well, no, and, he didn't say that. He said, he he set it even up more for her to think it was her, because he said, I want to, you know, thank the person who cha- challenges me the most. <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you think of Need for Speed? It was good. This the this, this one is like another one of those things that it's like uh it it 
reminds me of what I've been talking about. Of like, this would have been one of the openers for the show. Every show would have opened with like a minute, just like this, you know, with a different race, with a little dynamic of a race, somebody different winning, something different happening, but just like, you know, a race and like, and, uh, this is sort of how I pictured it. The the show would have been and like in the race, like this race had a little mini, you know, he taught her a little mini lesson and it might've shown up later on in the episode or had some, you know, sort of, um, resonance in the in the episode but this is this this would be how this would be how i would picture like what what i pictured this was going to be like every episode would have something exactly like this at the beginning of it and maybe except with 20 seconds of the same footage of all the aces mounting their their ships but yeah that's all i really got on this one I, I feel the same way. Like, um, I, I just, I, I, one of the things, especially because it was so heavily promoted, like, they're like, there's going to be racers and pilots and blah, blah, blah. Like, that was, like, so, and, like, the Aces had so much heavy promotion prior to the show. Um, and, like, this is just something I just need more of in this show. It's just them racing and trash talking. Um, and I, I did like how he kind of framed it, like, um, it, it framed a mini lesson for Torah, but it wasn't like a PSA, and it didn't like hit you over the head. It was it was just done naturally yeah. of her just like I'm gonna win yeah. this, I'm gonna win this. This is a good example of showing not telling, because this showed Hype's um, experience. She's still an inexperienced pilot. She's still learning, and he and he schools her, and he gives her a race lesson for her to later use. He tells her why he tells her why she lost, so giving her the key to winning in the future yeah so, yeah it's um, kind of cool it's kind of cool of him while being still arrogant at the same time he slips her a little piece of advice it's nice yeah and i think that's that's a, a good way to show it that like hype's not a monster like yeah he's egotistical yeah. but he's not a bad guy um which could be easily taken that way because of tam because he's a, ra- tam- he's, a he's a racer some racers are going to be show you know it's a it's a yeah. he's he's more He's probably more set up for like the the big city circuit. You know what I mean? The the mm-hmm. the 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 you know where they do an interview afterwards. You know, like pod racing or something. You know where where he gets out and gets on TV. You know he's he's setting up his his uh, his his um, franchise, his brand. Yeah, absolutely. Um... And in this one and the next one, none of the main core characters are in these two. Like, we don't have any Kaz, Tam, uh, Giger, or Niku. Um, And I'm noting that for a reason. I'm going to come back to why I think this should have been done differently. And, yeah, I'm going to come back to this. So, Um, The next one, 60 Seconds to Destruction. It's another opener. Yeah, 60 Seconds to Destruction, it's about the Aces, and they have a fuel shipment coming in, and the fuel shipment got attacked by pirates, so their navigation and their thrusters are all fucked up, and they are just speeding towards the platform. So the Aces have to work together to slow down this fuel tanker and to deliver it safely to the Colossus. So, yeah, I this is what I need more of, especially... Um, Tora and Hype aside, I need more Griff, Freya, and Bo. Those three characters are the three aces that we don't 
we don't really get yeah. anything no, else. Like, I wanted to see the. This is this is this is different. There's, it's like they gave three little different openers for the show. The the other one not being as much so, but like this one and the last one especially, like they show the aces as a unit, and we really don't really get to see the aces as a unit too often in this you know season enough two, yeah where they're forced to be a unit because right. it's either be a unit or die right. at the first well, this, order well the, yeah but they're still they're, they still are a unit we see in here because they they are part of the station and now we're seeing them you know there's they're racing but now we're seeing them besides just fighting off pirates and protecting the state well they are protecting the station but a different way you know by Act, basically acting as brakes for a giant ship so you see sort of there but yeah this would have been another great one for the beginning because you see the racers as as a as a unit and, and uh yeah yeah and i also like um donald Faison's delivery for hype in this one because like like in the last two like with orkin flicks and the racing one he's all just like i'm the best i'm an egotistical like stuff like that he's very serious in this one he's giving directions he's giving orders he's telling well yeah i mean but if that freighter it's a fuel freighter so they're they're all dead if they screw up but even before even before the freighter even arrives like hype is giving is using a different tone different directions and he's just presenting and talking differently and it's a really good performance by donald Faison, um because to kind of give a different shade to hype um, and a different side of him. But yeah, like, I, that's probably my biggest gripe of season two. Um, as we get ready to go into season two is, yeah, I love hype. I think he's a great character. But season two, all the ace episodes go to hype. Every, like, there's, like, that's the reason why Vox Vortex 5000 uh, does not work. Yeah, because he's the big voice for it, you know, he's the celebrity yeah. voice. But I'm sitting here going, like, you know, um, and, and I'll talk about this because in a vacuum, Vox Vortex 5000 is fine. But like when we get to that episode, I'm like I'm sitting here going, this would be a perfect Griff episode or Freya or Bo. But like by then, it's like our f- like fourth or fifth hype. Episode. Yeah, no, they they don't want to spend any more time building new characters at that point. You yeah, know? but then we get like the Griff episodes, like like the. We get two Griff episodes and then the the series finale, like, and then Bo Bo and Freya don't even get anything. And that's, like, my gripe of this show is the aces are so mishandled. Because Tor is a main character, so, like, I don't count her. She is in the main cast, she is a main character, I don't count that. But when we're looking at the supporting characters, Hype gets all the A stories. And then the other three are just kind of there. And I think that's some really uneven writing, which... I know that these writers have done better, you know? Like, even Leg Lamp Mrs. Sumar gets it's, more of a story, and she just, doesn't even fucking talk in the show. <laughs> like, she doesn't even talk in Rebels, and she has more of a, an emotional story of knowing Ezra, knowing his parents, losing her husband, and becoming a rebel and fighting, and she doesn't even say a fucking word. Mm-hmm. And, like... Like yeah, and so like uh, well, I, I it just know. it just adds more to the fire that that there was supposed to be more to this, you know. Yeah, I guess so. Like, um, but it's just, uh, well, we'll get to all of that when we get to season two, everybody. But yeah, I like I love this short, and I'm gonna come back to this in a minute. 
Buggles Day Out. Oh, didn't know. Okay, uh, go ahead. So Buggles Day Out (laughs) is very simple. Um, Tora wants Kaz to watch Buggles, and Buggles sees a bird, goes outside, chases a bird, and then comes back in, and when Tora gets back, Buggles flies away in the fireball and somehow doesn't die. Um, No, that's that's my notes. Like, poor Buggles, R.I.P., the end. Buggles died. That's the, that's the only conclusion we can come from this one, because it's not like Buggles is going to turn... What, what, what was the conclusion of that, that Buggles turned around and came back or whatever? You know, obviously he's still fine and they did something, but, like, no, realistically, Buggles is dead. That's That was how that was the story of how Kaz let Buggles die, and Buggles killed himself, finally. Finally was able to kill himself. the one that I, I don't like um, it feels really disjointed and this goes back to what you were saying in the BB-8 one the very first one we talked about it would have been really cool if um, y- you know those like marketplace dogs and cats that go from like booth to booth because they can get like fed and stuff that would have been cool if it was just Buggles in the marketplace like going like to see the gorg visit all his friends yeah yeah and he happens to run into BB-8 and like he goes to visit Aunt Z and that would have been such a much better thing because I feel like Buggles would be somebody that like everybody on the platform would kind of know because they would know it's like Taurus. He obviously knows his way around and I mean (laughs) to use my another Pokemon reference of this episode, the second. Um, I kind of wanted us to be kind of like the character of Letton, Ash's Letton. Before Ash captures Letton, um, he lives around a marketplace, and whatever they like, Ash and Go, uh, is it Go? Who's in? It doesn't matter. Um, no, Ash and his friends. Whenever they go into the marketplace, you can only see Litton in the background, just kind kind of going from booth to booth, like getting food or getting like food from the old lady and stuff. And that would have been a really cool way for Buggles. Um, and I'm gonna come back to this again because I feel I, I'm gonna come back to how like I think these this could have been a really good intro for the shows before the show ever started. We'll come back to that, and this would have been a good one to like kind of explore the Colossus through Buggles' eyes. Like maybe he go maybe he knows about the Turtle Folk, and the Turtle Folk take care of him, and Kel and Ayla plays with him for like an hour or something. I don't know. But this just feels like. The short that doesn't work because Buggles is dead. <laughs> he died. Yeah. It's kind of like wrecked, Cap- wrecked the fireball, put it at the bottom of the ocean. And Captain Doza uh, got a new Buggles before Tora noticed. Yeah, Buggles too, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> electric Buggles Lou. Like when parents replace goldfish so they don't have to explain deaths to their yep. children. Or in or in Trailer <laughs> Park Boys where they do it for a full grown adult. Wait, oh, oh, Trailer Park Boys, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, one so. of the one of the characters gets a goldfish, which he names Orangey, <laughs> and and he keeps giving Orangey shots, dumping shots into Orangey's um into Orangey's bowl and putting Orangey in the bong, and uh, and thinks Orangey keeps passing out, and they keep just switching because. He so would freak out if Orangey died that they just keep replacing <laughs> the Orangeys in there. Aww. They're like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be giving shots to Orangeys. Like, I don't know, Orangeys, Orangeys pretty tough. <laughs> oh. So the last one, the rematch. 
another opener. That would have been a good opener. It's so, it's, so, it's an okay one. Well, let me do the summary. So um, the whole point of this, it's not even really a rematch. Um, they're wanting to test the fireballs thrusters, and all they're doing is playing follow the leader. So Tora is leading Kaz out on a little flight, and they're playing follow the leader. But halfway through, Kaz's the little joystick thing that he uses to turn the ship, it breaks off. And Kaz has to make a rough landing back in the hangar, and Tam is all like, oh my god, stop breaking my ship. So. And that's that, yeah. <laughs> it seems like it was a scene from an episode that they that they liked the way it looked, and then uh, they, they included it here. Not a lot mm-hmm. to it. I, so I'm going to say what I like about <clears throat> what's there, and then I'm going to say how I wish it was different. Um, what I like about what's there is we get to see a little bit of Kaz and Tor's personality. Like, I, I think the title is wrong, um, cause it's not even really a rematch. It's no. just them, um, got, it's just Tora guiding Kaz so he can test a few things. Um, but I like the competitiveness where she's just like, you know, if this was a race, I'd destroy you. <laughs> and, and she's like, so no nonsense about it. She's like, if we were actually racing, you'd be dead and I would destroy you. But we're not racing Kaz because I would destroy you. <laughs> and I like how, at least like in their lead up to them flying, they still have that kind of competitive back and forth. And I think that's really cool for their characters. This is what I would do differently. Um, and I thought about this with the little addition of Tam just going, oh, my God, he took my ship again. We never actually see Tam fly in season one. The first time we see her fly is with the First Order. And this would have been a really cool opportunity for Tam to test the ship with Tora. For one, to let us see Tam in the cockpit prior to season two. Because she keeps saying, like, I'm a pilot, I'm a pilot, I'm a pilot, but we've never seen her fly. And this would have been a cool opportunity for that. And it also would have been a really cool dynamic to see Tam and Tora flying together. That would be a little bit different. Yeah. So that that's the one thing I would like to, because I do like what's there, but it's a lot of stuff that we've seen before. And the fact it's just, you know, I just would love to see, <laughs> I would love to see Tam like have the hard landing and kick up in the cockpit and be like, Kaz, you changed all the, the directions and everything. Like, this is not how my ship is supposed to fly. What the fuck? Like, they could have still gotten the same point across of, you know, maybe the same thing happens, but we get to see Tam think on her feet. But it's because Kaz keeps fucking up the fireball. And then, like, so they could have essentially told the same story, but it just would have been different and cool. So. All right. I want to talk about the these as a whole now okay so those are all 12 yay we reached the end of all 12 did you have anything else about the rematch no there wasn't really much to it yeah i'm gonna rant a little bit so everybody sit back and relax i hope it's about to rant a little bit i'm gonna take a drink i can't believe you got something to rant about out of of these 12 little fluff fluff pieces i am you ready Uh my issue is the continued issue that this show is not treated like clone wars it's not treated like rebels it's not treated like bad batch these were premiered on youtube they only ran on youtube unlike rebels where the shorts ran on fucking television these the rebel shorts ran on disney xd they were on cable they were on television they were on a much bigger audience for people to actually watch and the Rebel shorts were used as an introduction for the series. This is the gripe that I was like, I'm going to keep coming back to that. So 
if we think about the five rebel shorts, they introduced the series, the show, the characters, the concepts. That's where we first saw the characters before the show ever aired. And it was a really good idea for people to learn who these characters were, to learn what the world are, is, see a little bit of Lothal in the mix, and to get an idea of the tone and the humor and the kind of story being told. And that would have been really, really, really great for Resistance to do the same thing. Can you imagine like having some of these prior to the show? I was specifically thinking about the Aces ones. The Aces uh, would have been really good shorts to introduce this. You know, if you had something like the... Um, the, like the ones of like the search for Kaz, like maybe not use BB-8, but have it be Bucket or have Buggles Day Out just be like going around the market. It could been a, could have been a really cool way to introduce the, the world of the Colossus before the show ever aired, you know, to see Aunt Z's, to see the marketplace, to see these characters and get an idea of this feeling to introduce the show the same way that they did for Rebels. But they it's... didn't. And it's maddening because they could have even made a few other ones, like have a few shorts of just like Kaz yeah, but... in the New Republic, you know, and set up Kaz's story of just him not being happy in the New Republic because then it would have set him up a story of just like wanting this out to the Resistance. And they did not handle the show the same way and it's so clear and it's maddening and i hate it because this show did not get the same treatment and it's even clear now with bad batch god the marketing blitz for uh, bad batch has been so crazy and it's right. so well, clear that I this mean, show got... got caught hold on i'm almost done it's so clear that the show got caught in this like weird in between and we know that it's in this weird in between because we're seeing this with other disney shows so little side note and this is something that you know I'll probably talk about at some point in Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, is that Owl House just announced its ending with three seasons. And we knew that Amphibia is ending with three seasons. And so people were starting to look at this. And right now, Owl House and Amphibia are on Disney XD, same channel that Resistance aired on. Disney XD is the side sister of the main Disney Channel thing. And it looks like that there are no shows being announced for Disney XD going forward after Owl House and Amphibia wrap up. So it just looks like, just like with Resistance, these other shows, they're looking to get rid of these side cable channels and so it's fallen on the creators to promote these side cable channels because when resistance was running and getting ready to run disney plus was about to come out and it got stuck in this weird in-between space as we're seeing with these other shows because owl house and amphibia are going through the exact same fucking thing right now Mm. and disney is changing their complete service to streaming i totally get it that's where the money is but it's just so clear that the show was just left to fend for itself in the world of cable of side cable and that clone war season seven didn't get that because it was the flagship show of disney plus and bad batch is not getting that because that's having a fucking marketing blitz but the fact that i don't even know who wrote these who directed them unlike how i can look that up for the rebel shorts come on it's called money hope it's It's called money it's called money and it's like Basically, Rebel or Resistance was in, Resistance was experimental. It was unusual. We wouldn't have Mandalorian and Bad Batch if not for Resistance laying the groundwork first, and we can well, see that. Well, yeah, to some extent. I see that. Also, like I, I watch Bad Batch, and I'm like, it's very clear. And and and, and uh, uh, let me put together my. Okay. my my argument here no, it's i'm not arguing actually against what you're saying i'm just trying to build a context of 
what happened with resistance is resistance is experimental and resistance was also in a point where Disney was getting beat on for being experimental with their movies or and and were like going and 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 when you do a show like when when a sh- when something like Disney does something like resistance they're not going to put the money or time into it they're like it's an experiment we're going to put the minimum effort in, into it and if it it hits that's amazing and then if 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 resistance was a big hit you might have seen some more money and and promotion going into it going forward but they probably were just like yeah you're on a youtube budget now and and rebels came in as the first disney animated you know show in the first post clone wars star and wars show so they had to they the had to a get, lot of things because the rebels novel a new dawn was the first novel of the disney era and it aired before force awakens like it was the first yeah but it's a novel it's that's well, not, I, I, I i'm talking about everything like rebels aired before first force awakens like it was the first yeah it was it was it was they 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 really wanted that to to work and and resistance was when they were in the process of of throwing a bunch of stuff on the wall to see what worked and all of a sudden going oh uh experimentation is not going over well in star wars and the mandalorian and bad batch are are complete reactions to that i mean the mandalorian story-wise okay it, it, it owes more to uh it, it owes a bit to uh resistance in the in the style of of it but it also is a is a just you know back to the 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 visuals and feel of a of a original trilogy star wars movie and bad batch is like boom hatched right off clone wars which is wildly successful and popular so they're 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 both a lot safer bets for and the mandalorian didn't get you know uh, a a huge push they they pushed it and stuff but like the mandalorian got a lot more excitement in it once it came out and everybody was like this is fantastic then disney's like oh okay and i I, I disagree and maybe it's just because i have cable um because before mandalorian aired it was everywhere like in all the commercials on all the major networks it was in commercials of sporting events like they would have good morning america they'd be like here's like a pre the the trailer of exclusive of the mandalorian on good morning america and you know like and then grogu happened like everybody found out about a baby yoda and they were like what is this and then it was really everywhere like yeah yeah, you know when you have like friday night football and the big showstopper is the trailer of the mandalorian like i i have to disagree with you because like it's we didn't have a star wars movie like that was the show that was coming and so it was everywhere on tv and the mandalorian is also the first live action tv show and stuff so and it also has like they put they 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 put you know a big name marvel guy behind it and stuff like that and 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 resistance was uh it was in an experimental phase and they it didn't go it didn't go ballistic so they just probably they pretty much left it to die (laughs) you know and and that's 
it moved, it moved on into safer directions is what they did because they're a big corporation they're they're crunching their numbers you know i think that's what bothers me because like i would even say that rebels is a bit of an experiment you know um it, it was a different kind of animation style it was a different kind of story clone wars was very was tied into the prequel trilogy you have yeah. anakin and yeah. obi-wan and padme like these very familiar characters Rebels was just like brand new characters. We don't know who any of these people are. Rebels it, was like like taking Clone Wars and the experimental part was what happens if we sort of meld this more with the with the Disney style, you know, because But it's also the fact of just having brand new characters, you know, that that's that was wild at the time, you know? Like it was crazy because we were so pretty much everything was either tied to like the original trilogy or the prequels like you know like the you had you know yeah but it was also it was, you could do stories of like ahsoka and rex but it was always anchored to like anakin and obi-wan you know but, yeah but but you know they had to they they had to like i mean that's that that's it's, uh, as with the movies they were sort of shading this like when rebels first started out it was very much like a version of a new hope with different characters there was there was you know you know ezra, ezra, ezra was luke and and um you know you had you had you had um kanan who was like part obi-wan it was like was like a hybrid of part obi-wan and part o, um han solo and then you had zeb who was sort of the chewbacca of the group the big tough guy who with the heart of gold and and they all had adventures on a ship very similar to the millennium falcon and stuff and it was familiar with new character they mixed the familiar with the new characters then as the show got, went on they brought in the the familiar characters and they started, remember they started with Star Wars familiar characters and then they realized that they had way more luck bringing in the Clone Wars familiar, you know, the bringing in Ahsoka and Rex was a far bigger deal to everybody than seeing C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. And, uh, and that, and that sort of got incorporated, you know, they were incorporated, they were, they were paying attention and incorporating as they went along and, and working with what worked and, you know, rebel rebels became as it went on a little bit more had some more of clone wars mixed you, you know mixed into it and uh for its for the better of it but i don't know if that was their original plan for it but you know um it was it was we we know but that i think <laughs> i think I, I i think resistance was you know was pitched and then and disney didn't have as much invested in it as they needed it to be something to lead something to lead forward into something as much as they were like let's try this side thing and see if it works and then go on from there and i probably made money for them but it probably wasn't the huge hit that you know and and they were also in that time period they were probably very sensitive because a lot of people got fussy with anything that wasn't familiar you know I like the animation styles, not the same as what I got used to on Rebels and Clone okay. Wars. And, and I, I have I have several thoughts about a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. So is it cool if I just kind of slide in here for a second? Sure. First, to what you just said, people still to this day 
don't give Rebels a chance because of the animation style. Like they never, if it's you not Clone you mean Wars, resistance they're not going to fuck. Rebels. Oh, there yeah. are still people who fucking won't watch Rebels because they don't like the style, and they're just like, "This is shit" and stuff like so that. Resistance so Resistance is even another step beyond that. Yeah. So, like, there are some goes. Clone Wars purists who won't even give it a chance. That's the first thing. Second, I have two thoughts about this, um, kind of leaving it on its own, and also the experimentalness of it. And I think the reason I look at it different now is because I have been paying attention because, of course, we have a whole nother animation podcast. I've been really paying a lot of close attention to other creators like Matt Braley and Dana Terrace and people who work for Disney and seeing what's happening to their shows um, and how their shows are being handled. And I think we talked about this with Jonna um, on our episode with Jonna, which is, you know, if it's on cable Disney's not going to promote it because that's not their focus. It's Disney Plus. Right. That's their focus. And that's where, you know, it's one of these things of like, they're like, well, resistance. I, I hear you say like resistance was this failed experiment, but they didn't put any effort into it. Not but like that's they what they do with experiments, though. That, that, that's what they do with experiments. But, but they give it they fair, give it the minimal. No, Chris, hold on and, for a second. It's not even a fair, fair experiment, though, because they threw all these resources into Rebels. They gave them books and a comic and these right. like introduction things and stuff like that. And so the, the experiment tells me was if you throw all these resources at one show and it succeeds, but you would give this other show no resources and it fails, whose fault is that? Well, I it's mean, Disney's that's fault. it's, it's, it's partial. It's well, you know, I mean, it's complicated. It's, it's the fault of the way that it's the fault of the way that commerce and art are intertwined in that situation, you know, but that's how, that's how a lot of, a, a lot of stuff gets like, it, it, it was, it was like, you know, maybe that the, the only way resistance could get off the ground was to sell it as something that they wouldn't have to put as much money and time into as, as rebels because, but rebels was also potentially going to drive a franchise forward, you know, characters that are, you know, Ahsoka and, and it was going to build stuff that could be built into other stuff. Whereas, and, and we know that whereas resistance was a side a oh, side sorry go ahead it, it was a side story that was that was to build its own little sort of bubble world that 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 you know but i mean not that it couldn't have launched characters that could move forward into other into uh, into a wider story like they did with clone wars and stuff I mean, but I want that these characters disney to probably disney probably like said here's here's your budget you're limited on this one do with it what you can and it has to hit these numbers to go on you know and then and then it hit a time period where like disney was like yeah maybe we don't want to be as experimental as as we were just a minute ago you know and that had a lot to do with you know nothing to do as much with the tv shows as with the movies and the and the who for all with the movies and stuff like that yet and you know the animations are supposed to be tied in with the movies and then you had resistance where it's like how can you tie it in with the movies when the movies are in a state of flux after the second movie <laughs> you know uh, as to what's going to happen and uh, where it's going or anything so you can't really 
we did talk about that. Because yeah, we did you know, talk about that resistance was finished before Tross was even done writing. Right, right. Um, and which is why I feel like resistance could really do a super solid season three right now. Um, if they, if they could wanted now. to, yeah, yeah, because they, they could, could yeah. really, really <laughs> flesh out that world. Yeah. Now, um, now, now they now they can now they have the pieces. Of, now they at least know what's there to work with on it and they could actually maybe even step in there and fix some, you know, do, do their, do their retcon magic and stuff like that. But yeah, that's, that, that that's the thing. That's the thing that sucks for the fans of ex- the, the experimental stuff that nobody else, you know, jumped on to. It sucks for the fans of that stuff because, you know, you don't have that, that's the, the the mass popularity to drive it forward and we have to wait five years or so five or ten years before someone goes like hey you know what that resistance show is really good they should have kept going with it. you know yeah. and it's, it's it's sad but it's the reality that's i mean when it comes all right down to it that's why copyrights that's why copyright law should be like it used to be and star wars would have been would have been free to free to experiment all they wanted. It wouldn't have been in, as tied into to money. But yeah, it's something that you said like ten minutes ago. Um, that also really stuck out to me. Was yes, okay. I'm gonna preface this by saying yes. When I watch Bad Batch, I can 100% tell it's Jessica Corbett. And tell that she got her start on Resistance. I can tell it's that kind of storytelling. And The Mandalorian is the same way. Um, and I can tell. And what I, But what I mean by that is by the kind of story they're telling and how they're telling it. Um, because they... I had this argument with somebody else the other day. They were like, well, Resistance was inconsequential. And I'm like, yeah, so it was two seasons of, the, of Mandalorian. Tell me how two seasons of Mandalorian has changed the canon of Star Wars. And they didn't have an answer it, for me. Because it just it depends on what the future of Grogu is more than anything. Well, it's hard to say. And, but, but, I, I, but same thing with like, and, and that's where I keep going back to like the function of how these stories are being told. Like Clone Wars and Rebels were made to change the trajectory of canon. That is their purpose. Mandalorian, so far three episodes of Bad Batch because we just watched episode three and Resistance have not changed the canon and they're not made to. That's not what their function is. They function like Star Wars novels where they're just these adventures in the pocket of the universe to do a little bit of world building and look at the galaxy changing around these characters. That is how these shows work. So that is what I mean. Hold on. That is what I mean when I say that when I watch Bad Batch. I can tell it's groundwork that Resistance laid first. And I can tell that with Mandalorian, too. What's really interesting about what you said, though, was you're right. These are very safe shows. Mandalorian yeah, and Bad Batch they're, are they're super grounded in the safe. familiar. And, and they are. Resistance was not. And I not never thought about that circuit, before. Or the gas station circuit or the water worlds or any of these characters except for Poe and BB-8 who are just sort of guest stars. So whereas whereas the Bad Batch is is grounded in it's grounded in you know we're 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 hanging around in familiar territory with clones and with the Empire you know we 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 know all about that the Mandalorians are their familiar territory mostly from 
Clone Wars, you know, but and and Rebels. But we're still but, going to planets like Tatooine multiple times. Right, right, and the, and the, and and the Mandalorians were something that was built out of out of the original trilogy, and you know, and all that, and and I mean, you know, just the way that the Mandalorian is shot and plotted and carried out with practical effects it's very much made to look like something from the george lucas original trilogy era and and so it it, it's safe for viewers i know lots more people who like watch the mandalorian who don't know what's going on even in the star wars movies or whatever but they wouldn't probably you know it would be a hard sell to try to get them to watch resistance you know Yep. But when I was telling them about the Bad Batch, they were like, ooh, you know, and, and the Bad Batch, it, you know, Bad Batch is also like war stories and, you know, stuff like stuff like that, you know. And so, you said, I like, how could I have gripes about these 12 shorts? <laughs> You're like, what do you mean? <laughs> 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later. <laughs> they're sort of ta- they're sort of tangential to the shorts though, you know. It's you're just so you you're sort of more more upset about the 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 bum treatment of the show. Yeah, because I see these shorts and the fact that I don't even know who wrote and direct them and I can pull up the rebel shorts and I can see like background information notes. And you know what? I I have a sneaking suspicion. Hold on. Hopes has a art attack. Star Wars. Uh, let's see. Does this have its own thing on StarWars.com? Its own page? Let's see. Oh, look at that. The Rebel Shorts each have their own uh, their own own page. Because they had more they had no money and they had people paid to do, you know, interns yeah. paid to fill all that stuff in and they were working the, the yeah. Yeah. And so, like, that, yeah, I mean, I think these shorts are the perfect example of what happened with this show when you compare it to how the Rebel shorts were treated versus this. And I think it's it's such a telling treat. It, it's a tale of two shows, and it's such a telling tr- version of how they viewed Rebels versus how they viewed Resistance. It is ah, very clear. And the IMDb, Buggles Day Out, director, Stuart Lee. Where did you? Christopher Shaw. I just went to un- IMDb and put in Resistance, Buggles Day Out. So you can you can IMDb these and get some, some production. All it has is a cast and director. Let me see if it, if I actually, if it has, it doesn't seem to have anything more than that. Uh, I have the dubbing manager. Oh, but at least I can see that it's Stuart Lee. So, yeah. Okay, cool. I still don't know who wrote it. I like how it has a season one, too. Oh, there's the, there they are. Oh, let's see. Darton Cover is... Darton Cover does not have a director. Yeah, these, these <laughs> if it's an IMDb, like IMDb... Like the actors, it could be just that Stuart Lee is 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 Justin uh, Ridge is the voice of Bucket. Justin Ridge is the voice of Bucket. Justin see, no, Ridge so is, okay, now what? There's information out there, and you're learning things. You just didn't go to IMDb, movie. and I don't blame you because IMDb is a sucky website. Yeah, to, to yeah, find information because... on. But like, 
I have a feeling this is more like IMDb. When you have an IMDb page, you're filling in your credits. So these guys, you know, Stuart Lee might be just going in and like going, I'm giving myself, you know, I'm writing this down because I did it. You know, it might not be Disney that filled out his IMDb page. It might be him. It most yeah. likely is him. And, yeah, the, and the two actors. When thieves drop by, let's look at treasure chests. So you'll probably find all sorts of random, random credits to it, depending on who was who wanted to get you know credit on it, and 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 probably like all the people who are l- listing their their names are probably newer and just wanted to get. An, oh my a, god, I think it's just directly because so far, just clicking through these, I haven't found another director yet. I've only just found Stuart Lee. Though it looks like Stuart Lee did do a chunk of that. So, okay, so go back to our background notes. Stuart Lee looks like did a chunk of these. <laughs> so, there you go. There you go. There you go, hon. Um, if you're real curious, the answer is sort of maybe possibly with some of them on IMDb. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. If you want to um, bother to navigate there. Well, they didn't even credit Bo talking in 60 Seconds to Destruction, even though we know Dave Filoni is the voice of Bo Keeble. <laughs> anyway, how would you score up the shorts, Chris? Uh, I gave it an 8.5. Is It was just like a good episode, you know, and I gave it, maybe it would have been an 8, but I gave it an 8.5 because it was an episode that leaned towards Orca and Flicks. So, 8.5. You know, it I was just a lot, they were a lot of fun. It was, went yeah. by fast. <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, <laughs> they went by so fast, too fast for my liking. I was just sitting there um, with my notes watching them, and I'm like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well. <laughs> but um, despite how our last 30 minutes of how it handled, the shorts on their own are great. Um, I love seeing the characters and the world building, getting interactions we don't normally get in show. Like I love seeing Orkin, I just, all the Orkin Flux content, give it to me, please give it to me, give me more, give me more, give me more. Um, but seeing like them with like Hype or Sonara or NZ, like there's these really cool dynamics we don't normally see. Um, like seeing like, I'm actually surprised Niku didn't get more shorts. He just had the one, which I found a little surprising because I feel like he would be a great character for the shorts. Um, I availability of voice actors. But Josh, this is Josh Brenner's like show. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I I love them. So I also gave it an 8.5. I think these are really fun and they do a lot of cool world building and it's just Orkin Flicks time and I love them. So. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on Apple Podcasts, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. We also have our brand new Two True Freaks website, and it's coming along, and it looks great, and we are getting close to having RSS feeds fixed, and I'm very excited about that. Um, so yeah, but this week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our Resistance episode, The Platform Classic. All right, so uh, we got one letter here. It comes from Diego Lemos. He says, I do think that sometimes we do need someone that pushes us to open ourselves to others, like Kaz did in Jaeger's case. This doesn't mean that you're forced to do it if you don't want to, but the circumstances of the episode seem to nudge him in that direction. You know, I'm starting to think that a therapist would make buckets of money in the Star Wars galaxy. Oh, yeah, Everyone thanks. needs a visit to the psychology. Yeah, we've never seen yeah. a Star Wars psychologist, that's for sure. Star Wars, Star Wars universe has some weird stuff like no psychologists, like random, 
random tracking of ships and random like searching of life forms and use of technology and communication and stuff but my favorite joke is um Padme can fit all of her episode two outfits into two suitcases including like big wigs and headdresses and hoop skirts and makeup she fits in two suitcases but she's gonna die in childbirth (laughs) yeah they have the technology for suitcases though (laughs) so yeah um I, I do want to say something about feedback, and I have not shared this with Chris, so I'm sorry for springing this on you. Um, with us still in the process of re, like re, like fixing up the website and RSS feeds, like and getting those working and getting stuff like that. Um, for the moment, I'm gonna hold off doing feedback for the next few weeks, you guys, just until we get that all together, because we have just episodes that were that were missing on the website as of like a few days ago. Um, a, a good chunk of our resistance episodes were not on the site. And I know it's been a very difficult time trying to listen to these shows recently. So um, don't fret about feedback. Um, if you do give us feedback from episodes, and this is more for Diego because you asked me this question, let me know if you give us feedback on an episode earlier than what we're talking about in an episode because I don't check older episodes for feedback because I don't get notifications for those. Um, better, so you- yet, better yet, now that we have our new website, you can leave comments Oh, yes, and we'll see that. On the episode. So if you go go into our link and and look into our episode, go all the way down to the bottom and you can leave a comment. Yeah. Do that. Do that. (laughs) um, I just wanted to let you guys know, like, it's not that I'm like, we understand, like, with the revamping of the website, that I, I just want to give you guys a little bit more time if you want to leave feedback because most of our resistance episodes were not up for like three weeks there (laughs) so i just want to give you guys more time so but i love you and i can't wait to read what you have and always feel free to send us show to questions sorry i sprung that on you chris i meant to talk to you about that beforehand that's okay i'm probably (laughs) gonna cut most of that out (laughs) why because i don't want people i don't like to talk about the feed the the mechanics of the website and it not working or working or not working because it's always on a Um, a month long break and i i just don't i don't like telling people about that because then their brain sticks on it and then they yeah oh i'm the opposite i'm just like full transparency and honesty about what's happening yeah no because i i'm not gonna i haven't posted any new episodes on twitter and i have been explaining it because people are like why aren't these working um and i maybe that's because maybe that's the difference because i've been taking a lot of the brunt of those questions from our our listeners because most of them are on twitter i get i get i get angry about that because i just want to tell people why don't you know how to go get a podcast you know why you know if if it's not working just by like uh i can't just push this button and work if you want it bad enough you just have to push two buttons to go get it. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I, I understand that people use ver- ways of getting podcasts, but it's like, you know, it drives me nuts because I'm sitting here. I'd like to fix it. But, you know, people going, I can't get your podcast. And it's like, you can get my podcast. <laughs> You're I, having I, that I conversation will... in the comments of to a link to my podcast. And they're like, yeah, but I have to download it. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I will say as somebody who had to do that one time, it is not an easy process. Um, yeah. It's on, I and I say that as downloading it on my phone because I have to actually leave my phone on, which drains my battery. 
um i the moment my phone like you know yeah. you know your well, phone that's... like goes into like sleep mode yeah um the moment it goes in sleep mode it stops playing yeah so i can maybe listen for like a half hour before my phone dies yeah but that's a phone that's one way of <laughs> one that's... Me- Method, that's how majority of people listen to their podcast. They don't listen. They listen as they drive or in their car. And if their phones are going to die before they get to their work, then they're not going to listen to our podcast. Yeah, I know. You're just an old man. I I'm am. sorry. <laughs> You're going to have to get these newfangled ways. Anyway, then ignore everything I just said, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> not, nah, but um, where? Well, did you have anything else for the shorts? By the no, way, Diego, thank really. you so thank you, Diego, for sending us feedback. Thank you so much, honey. <laughs> All right, well then where can people find you? You can find me at two truefreaks.com. That is uh where our our new website, uh, which is our old website, but now it looks new. And you can also find us at um Facebook on the Two True Freaks Podcast and the Two True Freaks Cantina, where we post up all our shows. And on the cesspool lake of toity bowl man blue water garbage fire dumpster floating down the flaming river of uh twitter and you know where most of our listeners find us (laughs) (laughs) run by the brave brave gene gene the twitter machine That's where they can find me, basically. Where can they find you? You can find me on the wonderful, great, fantastic, interactive, fun place called Twitter over at JGuysAndJedi. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at HopeMolinex. I also have my website, GeekGirlExperience.com, where I write all sorts of reviews. Um, and I've written a lot about Resistance because I love the show so much. Um, and as, I, as we were talking about earlier, Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons where we are wrapping up Gravity Falls and we are going to be soon starting uh, Avatar Last Airbender. And you can follow us on Twitter at HMCWCPod. It's just our initials um, over there. So, okay. So next week we're doing the season one recap. I am saying that so I remember because <laughs> I forgot <laughs> that that was a thing. That was actually supposed to be this yep, episode. Yeah, we finished the I, season all right. Yeah. Yep, yep. I forgot. But I wrote myself a note, so that will actually be next week's episode. And I'm actually really glad I forgot and I got to do these first. Um, so it was a happy accident. Yeah, no, like I, I think Rostry. we should have done these first before, we, you know. These are so clearly set in season one. Like, so clearly. Yeah. Um, oh, no. Yeah, no. They, yeah. they definitely, I mean, like, yeah, if they were season two, they, yeah, it would be a completely different dynamic going on here. Obviously, Aww. it would be yeah, in we, space. <laughs> yeah, we wish we had shorts for season two. Oh, now I want Rebels. And that would have been cool because Rebels didn't get season two or three or four shorts. They just got, you know, yeah. full fucking movies and hour long openings and premieres that were not split among weeks. But we just couldn't have been more. I'm mad. I'm salty tonight. Love you guys. I'm going to eat my M&M's now. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye. I thought you were going to eat be eating something salty, but I guess not. Okay. I don't, I don't have any salt. I, I only have peanut butter M&M's. Uh, so well, that's got a little salt in it. Yeah.
Yeah, they're, they're very good. They are my, my new yeah. department. Alright, goodbye everybody. Bye-bye. Visit our website at 2 Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.